The question you guys have to ask yourselves now, is it coming home? Welcome to Did Someone Say Soccer? I'm your host, Nate, and I got the two homies with me today, Angelito and Rico. Say what up, boys. What's going on, world? All right. Jordan can't be with us tonight, but we're going to hold it down. So this is how it's going to go tonight. We have... Is it coming home? We have Aviva Deci, España. We have our Euro predictions for the final. We have Emmy Martinez is a monster. Neymar got his wish. And we're going to have the Copa America final predictions. And then La Liga said sell Barca. And then Angelito's Taco Shop. All right, boys, let's get after it. So, Angel, is it coming home? No, I don't believe so. I think that Italy is going to win the final. Uh, and uh, it's not coming home. I mean, I, I don't like England, the way they're winning. And today versus Denmark, they didn't play well. It was just luck. So I don't believe it's coming home. So when I say, is it coming home? Right now, there is a chance and a saying that England has, and it's it's coming home, meaning the trophy is going to come back to the motherland where soccer began. So, Rico, is it coming home? I don't think so, bro. I I, I commend England for, for getting it done against Denmark. I commend them for having a good show. I do not like that Harry Kane waited until now to start showing out for uh, England. Luke Shaw has done very well. England, much props, but I don't think so. I think Italy, in, in, in their masterful ways that are now being shown again upon the world, I legitimately think Italy's gonna, Italy's gonna win. I don't, I don't see England bringing it home. They got a tough one on their hands, man. Italy just look nasty when they played against Spain. Let's talk about that Espana match. So, Chiesnik comes up, scores big, beautiful goal, side netting, and then super sub, best player on the pitch, Morata comes on and scores for Espana. Puts him in, tells the coach, hey, you should have started me from day one. And then what happens? Morata has the last penalty and misses. Angel, how do you go from hero to villain? Oh man, it, that's just that's an easy question. So he's been terrible, hasn't finished his chances, and you know that's why he was on the bench being a super sub. He comes in this game and he changed the dynamic. Him and Omo hooked up on that um, on that goal that's in the 80th minute to send this game to overtime and it's just funny that both of the both of the players that connected to score that goal were both of them missed in their penalty Omo launched it into the stands and Morata just it was such a crappy shot um, 
But the, the real hero is Jorginho. The way he shot that last penalty all with all that confidence, he didn't even look nervous. He knew he, he knew it was going in, and he did his little move. Boom. Simon didn't even get close. He threw him. He made him go to the other side. It, it was a great win. So what did you think of that match, Rico? It was, let me just say this, it was a good game uh, all around. Now, concentrating on Alvaro Morata, I am not going to go as far to say that he was terrible. Um, so I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with, with you a little bit, Angel. However, I will say this. I think it was incre- I think it was an incredible risk on Spain's part to have them as to have him as the anchor in PKs. Uh, yes, he did score. Yes, he did have a have a have his decent tournament, a decent game, and and all in all. But to be the anchor, the two most important in, in a PK lineup, the first and the anchor, in my opinion, right? That's that's why you have the, whoever the biggest name, whoever the biggest name on your team is, usually goes first. Or is it going last? Because you want a guaranteed first and last goal. I don't know. I don't know if Morata merits either one of those. So it was a big risk on Spain, and then on top of which, an even bigger risk for me. And 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 also, I believe that they were saying this um, on ESPN. It is a bigger risk for him to actually take that PK, uh, just due to all the pressure that that surrounds that. That's not. That's like no joke. Um, Italy is an absolute uh, majesty, this this entire tournament. They have shown time and time again just remnants of their old masterful ways playing ball. I love it. Um, I love that their attack pretty much starts from the defensive third of the field. If you ever take a look at any of their counterattacks, all of it, all of it starts from the back and they go collectively. The English... I, I believe that they're going to give them a good game uh, for, for for the uh, Euro final, but ultimately, I think Italy's going to end up getting it done. So Luis Enrique came out with a false nine, and it just confused the hell out of Verratti and Jorginho and the whole midfield for Italy. That's why when we saw the stats, it was it was something like. 60-40 possession Spain. Spain just dominated pretty much the whole match. And right. And the it was the the counterattacks that got him. But who stood out for me the most for uh Spain was uh Pedri. He looked awesome out there. He he was just out there doing his thing. He looked like the best player for Spain out there especially at his young age and it looks great for Barca having him go out there and play like he did for the year and during the Euro so going into the shootout it was Chilicini and it was uh, Jordi um, Jordi Alba going up for the coin toss right and Chilicini's like in a great mood, and he's just like all touchy touchy feely with Jordi Alba. Uh, Alba. Alba is not having any of it. He is just pissed off the whole time. That is the kind of shittery <laughs> that I love to see because Chilicini knew what he was doing. He knew that he was getting under his skin uh, even before the the shootout. 
And it just made me laugh the entire time. But as we're talking about this shootout, Luis Enrique had no idea who his five were going to be. He brought a he brought a pen and paper out and he said, "Who wants to take the PKs?" As a coach, you need to know who your PK shooters are going to be in cases in case something like this happens. And then you look at Italy. Italy already knew who their five PK shooters were going to be. They knew everything. They were well prepared. They were ready to go. It, it just it just made me it was dumbfounding um knowing that Luis Enrique did not know who his pony kickers were. Yeah, this is absolutely uh it's it's a bit out of out of uh, character for Luis Enrique. He did such a good job his first couple seasons over at Barca. This this is almost like he this is he's treating this job as if it were his first managing gig. In my opinion, I'm not really sure where his head is at. Uh, maybe the players are unresponsive in the locker room. Maybe they're unresponsive in in training. I, I'm not really sure what's going on here with it, but. You're absolutely right, and I 100% agree. They, uh, Luis Enrique should already have it in mind who is who is PK takers going to be. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, it's it's also up to the players. At some point, some of these some of these big names got to step up and be like, you know what, coach, I'm going to take. It. Okay, I'm going to take. It. I'm going to take. It. I'm going to take it. But these to have, like I was saying, Morata be the anchor of this of this PK lineup. Something went wrong there. On, on the reverse side, I believe Italy just capitalized on that. Every single one of them took their PKs very confidently and, and with poise. Absolutely no problem. Donnarumma put on a good show as well, I believe, like in the entire game. Not, not only the game, just in the entire tournament. What do you think, Angel? Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, it was just like Donnarumma, like even when he blocked it, he just didn't, he didn't even look. He didn't even celebrate nothing. He just like looked stared into like the camera just walked away and he knew like his job was done and it was all up to uh Jorginho to do the last to score the last goal and he did yeah that was pretty good I like that Donnarumma is filling do you guys think that he's filling in a good void from uh Gigi I mean Buffon is some big shoes to fill man what do you guys think you think he's filling him all right he's doing a hell of a job I mean he had a, a decent season for um AC Milan but for him to come out here and show out, I've been impressed with him um, all tournament. True. Now, since we're on this game, let me let me actually bring up a, a little a little tidbit from this game. You you guys saw the dive from Immobile? You guys saw yes. you guys saw that that atrocious, atrocious, ugly dive. And then once they scored, he got up with like, wait wait, wait what happened? Oh, it's going, yeah, and then he just started going to the huddle, like, yeah, 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 I, I meant to do that. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is what Italy is known for, the the dark arts, as some of these people call it, uh, around the world. Do, what do we think about this sort of, this sort of diving? Because in my opinion, that deserved a yellow card for me. Just something that blatant, right? The ref should have stopped it, and had he, had he stopped it to give him a yellow card, no goal. Or, or do you guys think that that should have just kept playing as is? I mean, if you're not going to look, 
yes, VAR is there for a reason. So if you're not going to look back at it and exactly what we found out today when Sterling put his foot out and caused a penalty kick, and which we didn't think, none of us thought it was a penalty kick. So I did. I didn't think it was at all. And I think that they got lucky going into the finals off that. So okay, we'll get into that. We'll get into that a bit. But like, do do you think that these types of these types of falls, though, right? Do you think that more and more refs should be starting to give out cards for for this atrocity? I'm not I'm not a fan of the of, of the of the dive. I know that in Italy before I went to Italy, I remember our coach was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna devote a good like hour of our session to diving. And I thought that was I thought that was nuts. I I don't like diving. You are you guys for it? You guys, uh, like you know, kind of indifferent about it, or are you guys anti diving? Neymar is your favorite player, dog. How you not like diving? Okay, <laughs> let's all right. Let's 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 pump the brakes a little bit. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Never once in this podcast. Matter of fact, disclaimer right now, fellow Bissels. Never once did I ever say Neymar is my favorite player. Matter of fact, you can look at past podcast episodes where I specifically say Ronaldinho is my favorite player of all time, and that man does not fall until you take him down. So, just a polite F you to my homeboy Nate right here. All right? Now, let's get back to it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a fan. Where, where I'm not is, a fan of it. So, it, it, can, it can fuck off. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of it. Angel, what do you think? No, I don't think that. Um, I think they should start giving out cards because, I mean, those penalties decide the outcome of the game. And seeing how all these refs keep making the wrong call, even though they have the bar, um, they should give yellow cards out so that way it kind of stops players from diving. All right, well, there you guys have it. Fellow Dissels, we are anti-diving in this podcast. Hopefully, our boy Jordan, which isn't here right now, hopefully he actually uh, backs us up. I feel like he would just not back us up, but just for the sake of the podcast. But anti-dive. All right, so mm-hmm. let's get into Denmark versus England. That first goal was a fucking banger. Angel, tell me about that. Oh, man. I, I was like... so. This play starts off with a free kick from far away. They center it, and then you, when the ball's in the air, they cause another another foul, which makes uh, gives them uh, Denmark another free kick, but from a lot closer. And you can tell that Pickford looked kind of nervous. I don't know, maybe maybe he knew that the kicker was really good with his placement of the ball. But that shot was fucking ridiculous, man. Like it curved, and he missed it. I'm not even sure if he had his fingertips on it, but there was no way he was stopping that. Did you see that banger, Rico? Dan's guard, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The, for the cracker, yeah. It, it actually, you know what, it took a second to kind of process how dope that actual free kick was. So, you know, because typically you're seeing everything in, in 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 games time, right? So you see you see him take the goal. Any free kick from that distance is gonna look at face value, right? You're just gonna be like, oh, right. Replay comes around from different angles. Did you guys see kind of how he how he like knuckled that in his the way that he actually took that free kick? 
Yeah, it was just yeah, chef's kiss, boys. It was chef's kiss. Very good, absolute cracker. I love it. Beautiful. So then Saka gets the ball, takes it to the touchline, crosses it in, and it's an own goal on Denmark. And it's tied 1-1. Angel was texting before, and he was saying, why the hell is Saka out there? He sucks. He shouldn't be out there. And look what happens, Angel. Gets him right on the board. <laughs> Technically, Denmark got England on the board. It wasn't Saka, but, you know, whatever. Um it, it was the second opportunity because uh, there was a play right before it where Raheem Sterling did get to touch the ball and um, Schmeichel, he blocked it. And in the very next, you know, real thread of a play, same kind of play, they cross it and Kiar just hits it up and it, it hits it into his own net. And then once they scored, it, I was like, wow, that's it. I don't think Denmark can do it. They, they scored from from a free kick before. But they weren't getting they weren't getting that many opportunities. And once it was tied, uh, England changed their tactics, and they knew that they were the favorites again, being at one one. So, who stood out to you the most, Rico? If we're talking about just the game, right? England versus Denmark. I think I think for real, uh, Dabsgard, he he did his thing. That was definitely that was definitely a, a very key integral moment in, in their temporary success. Braithwaite, since you know, I got I gotta rep I gotta rep the Barca boy. He he did good. He did good. But at the same time I was expecting a bit more. I was expecting a bit more from him. Now, taking it to the winning side, I will I will have to give uh props to Harry Kane and Luke Shaw. Harry Kane definitely found a stride a little bit late in the tournament. I do, I do believe that he is going to be the man. He's gonna, he's gonna have to play the part in the final when they, when they ultimately go up against Italy. He's gonna really have to have refine his nose again for those goals. Uh, Luke Shaw just needs to keep doing what he's doing. If he can give a bit more, then he can give a bit more. But I'd have to say Harry Kane, Luke Shaw, but for for England. Who stood out to you the most, Angel? I'm going to have to say uh, Denmark's goalkeeper, Schmeichel, because he kept them in the game. And, you know, if you look at the goals that England scored, the own goal, I mean, it's just bad luck. And he stops the penalty from Harry Kane, and he's unlucky again that it falls right to him again, and Harry Kane just taps it back in. He He did, like, he saved a bunch of other shots, and this game could have easily gone out of hand um, because Denmark looked super tired towards the end. And uh, was it the last couple of minutes, England was just keeping possession, just messing with them, getting them tired, making them chase the ball. I mean, it, it was just, uh, it was all because Schmeichel kept them in the game for most of it. But, you know, sometimes you need luck on your side to win the games. We think that... Italy is going to be winning this final. Is that what we all agree on here? I say 3-1 Italy. Angel? Oh, wow. That, I say 2-1 Italy. I'm going to say another shootout, another PK shootout, Italy. And Jorginho okay. is going to hop skip to the PK line again. 
All right, so let's get into the Copa America. Ooh. Emmy Martinez was talking mad shit to every pony kick taker from Colombia. It was amazing. Emmy was just on one. He had that first block, and then he was just in everyone's head. Even, even Messi on the on the halfway line was talking shit to the players when they were missing it for for yeah, Colombia. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. And if he's if he's not the player of the game for me, then if Messi is not the player of the game, then for sure he is. So it was it was awesome to see. Like I'm just surprised a, a fight didn't. Uh, break out because how much shit talking was going on Angel what was your thoughts on Argentina's win over uh, Colombia um I don't know it's it's kind of hard to believe in this Argentina team that they're gonna win the final because they started off strong Messi was uh, getting the ball to Martinez they were getting close to scoring one, I think two shots before the third one went in in the fourth minute. Colombia woke up after that and they played better for, um, you know, a good chunk of the game. And they finally tied it. They did not want to, they did not want to, uh, risk anything. They wanted to go to penalties. And the way they shot their penalties was just, it was just awful. I think all three of the shots that were blocked were blocked in the same exact spot by um, by Argentina's goalie. And I was like, why are they shooting it so weak? And why are they shooting it um, in the same spot? They, they were out of it as soon as you, like you said, as soon as the first one was blocked, it was over. He got, uh, they, they got into uh, the Colombian's head, all the shit talking on the side. Messi was... I think he was making fun of Mina, saying, like, why aren't you dancing now? Uh, it was a lot of stuff going on. And to me, Argentina did look good for some parts of the game. But to win in penalties, when uh, Colombia was looking better, I don't know if I trust them to uh, take out Neymar. So Rico is a genuine grade A Colombia hater. So he went to bed with a big-ass boner last night because they got their ass whooped in the shootout. Yes, I did. The hole's still in the sheets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not so much that I, that I really hate Colombia. I just kind of really detest a good general portion of their fans. No offense, guys, but full offense. Uh, All right, so let's get into it. Colombia, the PKs were absolutely atrocious from Colombia, and it was glorious to watch. Cuadrado uh, did what he's supposed to do. As a first PK taker, he did absolutely. I didn't. I did. I had. I had no doubt that he was going to make his shot. Not. Not. Not a one. The rest of them. Now, here's here's the other thing. I thought it was. I thought it was a bit weird that. Diaz did not take a PK. He had and he had a great game for for Colombia. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to give a PK. Not necessarily being the anchor or anything, but I don't understand why you wouldn't want to give him a PK from having such momentum, even if he wasn't your first ideal choice, right? Going into it, because maybe 
maybe their manager went ahead and actually had had the set five. Like, okay, since these games, they don't go into extra time. So since these games don't go into extra time, they go straight to PKs. I'm sure the manager, hey, this is this is my five. Now, the game goes on. Columbia, this is a great game, all, all in all. Back and forth, counterattacks, defensive, uh, defensive strategy, everything. This game has everything. Going into it, Diaz put on a show. I believe that he put on enough of a show in order for the manager to be like, you know what, maybe just, let me just switch one of these guys uh, for the for the PK line. I feel like that 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 would have helped them, at li- if 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 only for one of the PKs to be buried, if not make a difference in whether or not they continue to keep going to PKs. Aside from that, uh, Martinez, wow, right. Just, just a great game. The PKs, glorious. So Neymar said after their win against Peru, said, "I want Argentina and I want to play Messi." So he got his wish. So let's talk about this Brazil win over Peru. Angel, tell me how good Neymar looked in this match. Um, he he looked really good. He he was uh, giving a lot of passes. They just um, weren't finishing them. They only won one to zero, and Peru had their chances here and there, but it's not like we expected them to win. We were just surprised that it was only one to zero. He uh, Neymar, uh, I think he nutmegged someone right before he did the pass for the goal. It was ridiculous. I think he had three defenders on him, and he still got through. Uh, Yeah, it was crazy. And my issue is with uh, the Peru goalkeeper. I feel like he was coming out too much. And on the goal, he he tried to come out when there's already two or three defenders there. Neymar centers it, and there's no one really there to defend the open net. A couple times, too, he, he was out, like very out. And luckily, he got his hands on the ball and deflected it here and there. But it, it should have been at least 3-0. Peru just got lucky that they didn't lose by more. And I think that they're, they're going to lose to Colombia, too. I, I can't see them beating Colombia the way Colombia played against Argentina. So, Rico, what did you think of uh, Brazil's uh, win? Um- I feel like I can't say anything positive about Neymar because then you're just going to misquote me on a future podcast and tell me that I think that this dude is the best. Uh, He did his his job, Neymar. My only reservation about him going forward playing against Messi is that, well, Argentina, is that Argentina is going to look to clip him and this dude dives. And as we so eloquently stated just a bit before, we hate diving here. Well, I do. I don't like. I don't like when he dives. It is the thing that separates him from past legends, as far as I'm concerned. The the undeniable talent and skills there for him to be the leader, for him to put on shows, put on like just wow us, right? I I I don't I don't doubt that he can do that. My only reservation about him is that he just dives uncontrollably, and it's super annoying. Now, if Argentina starts to hack him, which I'm calling it right now. They're going to do. If he starts diving left and right, I just feel like that's just not going to, that's going to eliminate him because he's going to be too busy trying to do that, trying to collect the free kicks, trying to, uh, 
and and it's not gonna it's not gonna go well for him if that's the plan. As far as this particular game, as Angel said, my only surprise is what they that they only beat Peru one zip. Neymar was putting on show, but the rest of Brazil needs to get in line in order for him to actually, or in order for them, I should say, in order for them to actually do something. Uh, I, I mean, I believe that Everton can actually score. He, he, if he's gonna, if he's actually gonna be one of the integral key players in this Brazilian lineup, he needs to step a little bit more, and we need to see some more out of him. Casemiro's doing his thing. Fred doing his thing. So, who's gonna win this match in the? Copa America final. Who do you have winning Argentina or Brazil, Rico? That's that's actually a tough call. We all know that I love Brazil, my favorite national team aside from the US. But it is gonna be a tough call. I do believe Argentina is gonna come with it. Messi is gonna be looking to bring that back to Argentina while Neymar wants to make a name for himself and says, I'm the new legend, I'm the new guy. And just because the individual class, should we say it's, it's evenly matched up? Or can we say that either one of the sides have a little bit heavier, uh, are, are a bit more heavier sided with the, with the talent, with the, with the abilities? Because for me, I, I just believe at this point, I mean, they got they, both, team, both, uh, both teams have some, has some pretty outstanding players, upcoming players too. You know, you got Brazil with Vinicius Jr., uh, Diabala over over in Argentina, but uh, as far as the collective the collective dynamic at either of these teams, I believe both of them can come out on top that day. So for me, I just say it goes to PKs. It's gonna go to PKs, and I'm just since I have a Brazil Brazilian bias, I'm gonna go with Brazil. I don't really like Neymar. We, we've all talked about why we don't like Neymar. We hate the diving. He's very arrogant, and I get it. You're great, but I just don't like him. Messi, he, this is his last one of his last opportunities to win something with the national team. He might he's not guaranteed to make the finals again, even if he keeps playing, you know, a couple more years. I think Brazil will win, even though I don't want Neymar to win it. PKs are in regular time. I'm going to say regular time, and it's going to be also probably two to one, my same prediction as the Euros. I like where your head's at, Angel. Thank you. I am going to say three one Brazil, regular time. Ooh, I definitely love where your head's at. I think. (laughs) Beautiful. I think Messi gets on the board, but then I don't think that his help will be there and I think this past game for Peru against Peru Neymar gonna have help from Rich Charleston uh, Gabriel Jesus and uh, just the, the company around him and I think that's gonna help him elevate so it'll be interesting to see who steps up and wants this game the most Besides the main stars, and True. if if Brazil can get the the surrounding core to step up, then they're gonna win. But if Argentina gets the surrounding core to step up, then they will they will win. But I think that it's gonna be Brazil, and I like what I've seen so far. 
So I'm going to go 3-1. Beautiful. So La Liga said sell Barca. And what I mean by that is Barcelona is over the salary cap by 200 mil. And how does Barcelona get all these players that they recently just bought signed onto the team? Because they can't until the 200 mil is there. So what are we talking about here, Rico? You're the Barcelona expert here. I just, I'm kind of astonished that every single time I think something dumb can happen in-house, they just keep pushing that threshold. It's just... I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on with the administrative offices. I know that uh, it's always been. It's always been kind of a, a disconnect. There's always been a disconnect between administration. You know, you have your your board of directors. You have the actual, you know, the, the CEO or whatever the the big man. Everything Bartomeu. No one like Bartomeu, right? So I'm not really sure what's going on there. As far as the 200 mil goes, if if they want to. Uh, assess that and kind of kind of penalize the rest of the the, re- the rest of the team and salary cuts just so that they break even in the books somehow I'm not I, I don't know what that's really gonna do for the team for the team effort or for the team uh, dynamic just because it's all about money with these players nowadays yeah so I believe that they're they're looking to a, to a, to appeal that, or is that now just set in stone that they can't do anything uh, with absolute no appeal in that process? Where where Barcelona was like, okay, yeah, we'll take that. That's fine. Yeah, there's no appeal. <laughs> they're gonna have to get rid of it. Yeah, so if they're gonna have to eat that, I'm not I'm not sure how they're gonna work around that. To be honest with you, aside from actually taking from digging into these players' pockets. I'm not. I mean, if if an option were to actually deduct money from from some of these corporate heads at Barcelona, I'd be all for that. But as it stands, if it has to be assessed to the players for for cutting salaries, that's going to be like I'm sure one of those players, be it Sergino Des, be it Messi, be it anyone, right? Be it anyone, I'm sure one of them is going to be like, "Hey, this is breach of contract. You guys promised me this much. You can't take. You can't take it." So, uh, I don't doubt that we're going to see a bit more of this shitstorm just unfold as, as we near La Liga. All right. So, let me read you guys some stats here, some, uh, some salaries, actually. So, right now, Messi is the highest earner for Barcelona. And he makes uh, over $1,160,000 um, a week. And then you have Antonio Griezmann at 600000 a week. Then you have Coutinho at 400000 a week. Then you have Pignac at 300000 a week. Those are some outrageous salaries right there. And the thing is, what I've been hearing is that they're going to have to get rid of Griezmann. And they're going to have to get rid of Coutinho and Bignac and that Busquets is going to have to take a salary cut and same with Jordi Alba but then we just saw we just saw 
Pedri ball out for the national team. And this guy deserves a pay raise. He's only making 39000 a week. That's laughable compared to any of those guys who he's been playing so much better than besides Messi. And this tournament, for sure. But since La Liga is dealing with La Liga, they're just going to be looking at La Liga stats. It's not, it's, they're not really going to be looking at, at, at what he's doing for the country in this one tournament alone. You know what I mean? They're going to look at what he did last season. And what he did last season, isn't. it's not even nearly what we're seeing right now. So I will agree with you, though. He does deserve a pay raise. Now, what would, in, in an ideal world, I'd just like, honestly, I'd like for... Um, Messi to just be like, you know what? I got this because I make so much money. He literally gets paid to take a shit. This man makes mad money even when he's pooping. So, so what are your thoughts so, on this, Angel? Um, all right. So this has been an issue. We've seen it for some time now. We knew it was coming. And... We've talked about it on the podcast before and, and, and to each other, how it's outrageous how much Barcelona was spending, how they weren't getting any trophies, and they kept offering all these contracts. And they were loaning out these players that were so expensive. Like Coutinho, when he went to Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich wasn't even paying that much because I think Barcelona was still paying part of his salary. So that way they can get rid of him for the season. I think it's good that they're cracking down because they're offering these players so much money and it's ruining that the teams are getting super stacked to the point where you like all the leagues are pretty much the top three teams only have a chance. If we look at um, just looking at this offseason, we look at what PSG has done with all their money. They're buying players left and right. And they don't even need it. They they got Donnarumma, and he's expected to to be on the bench or get loaned out. Why did they need that purchase? Like they're just buying everyone because they can. Man City's done it in the past too. Their, their their second string squad was better than most of the Premier League's first string. So by them seeing like forcing Barcelona to pay the money. Uh, how they didn't force Man City, like it's, it's letting them believe that they can do whatever they want. They need to start making, uh, you know, being strict with these uh, regulations, you know, regarding salaries. That way, the big teams don't spend so much, and it's a little more even for for the lower teams, and it's fair play for everyone. So, PSG really wants Messi. So they've been trying to get him to sign now that he's a free agent and hasn't signed with Barca lately. So say PSG get Messi. They cannot have... Mm -hmm. They cannot have Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi on the same team because they will be way over budget. And they can't afford that. So they would have to get rid of one. And you know who's licking their chops right now and hoping that this happens is Real Madrid because they want Mbappe. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> right, Angel, let's get into Angelito's Taco Shop. What do you got for us today? All right, so I want to talk about the Gold Cup, and we already know it's coming. Well, the, the teams were decided with the matches. I'm looking at the schedule for the USA, and I'm I'm really excited to see them play Canada. I, I like Canada. They they always it's a hit and miss, kind of like Jamaica. Some years they have the names, but they just don't show out for whatever reason. I want to see how good this kind of backup U.S. team because they didn't take the best players, plays against the Canadians. And for the Mexico side, they, they, they played Nigeria and they won easily. We already knew it was going to be just, you know, they, they, they were just going to be messing around and they scored with their subs. Everyone, uh, uh, Jonathan Los Santos scored a beautiful goal. We already knew that they were going to win because they took their best squad. And uh, it's obvious that they're, they're favored over the U.S. to win this tournament. But I like seeing when Mexico plays against, um, like, stronger teams. And, and right off the start, I don't see anyone that I would consider even a threat. It's uh, El Salvador and Trinidad and uh, Curacao. So at this point, I'm wondering, does Mexico even play their best players in the first three games, or do they save the best players for the harder competition that might actually put up a threat? Because we all witnessed the USA beat Mexico, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and Mexico dominated that game. They should have won. They didn't capitalize. They ended up losing. The U.S. taunted them uh, very, like, very aggressively. Everyone was laughing. So it's just Mexico's time to kind of dominate, destroy the USA, and just laugh back in a more serious competition, but not really because it's the Gold Cup, but it's still a more important game than the U.S. won the last time. What do you think, Rico? You're the USA fan. If, if they're going to actually succeed against Mexico with, with not, not like how you're saying, where uh, Mexico just dominates the game, right? I'm talking about a legitimate win where U.S. absolutely puts on the show. They need to, they need to actually just keep playing these players. I know that they're not taking their best, their best of the best, right? But these players are being developed and they're being, they're being, their skills being honed so that in later tournaments, bigger tournaments, you know, your World Cup and everything so that they'll put on a show. I believe if they actually keep playing these players, they're just going to develop a really, really interesting uh, new dynamic than what we're used to seeing with with Team USA. Um, because you have all of these players now that are actually making big money in big-name clubs. You know, you got you got your McKinney's, you got your Polisics, you got your, your Sergino Dess's, you got you got people on this team that are starting to be somebody's in the elsewheres of the world. So like if they're going to succeed in these clubs and be signed to these big clubs, they need to also put on a show here at home. So that's that's my thoughts on Team USA. As far as what you were talking about though, with Mexico and not playing their players, I feel like they should. 
they should play their players and not not their not their subs for the first couple games just so that they keep like kind of kind of a muscle memory type deal. I mean, if you if you get a little uh, if you have the the players that you want to win and the and you know the gold cup it's, itself, you, they need to keep playing just so that they keep actually having that dynamic uh, evolve. I guess during the tournament, so that they're like, yes, we're gonna win. Yes, we're gonna win. Or in your case, si se puede, si se puede. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so yeah, that's that's what I, I think they should play the players. Only start the starters against Curacao so that everyone gets a hat trick, and then you can <laughs> you can have the subs for the rest of the games. Just yeah. rotate them. But I'm interested to see how the goalies are going to be playing for Mexico because Memo Ochoa is going to be with the Olympic squad and. This is the chance for the three goalies that are going to be there to take advantage of this and be like, hey, I want to be competing for that starting spot for Qatar. So that's what I'm going to be looking at. And I'll be looking at the forward Mari for Mexico because he did come on against who was in Nigeria and scored right away. And... He, we all know that he's Argentine. He's an Argentina player that had his uh, citizenship for Mexico and got called and FIFA allowed it. So I like him at Monterrey. I think that he's going to be, he's so much better than Chicharito. So I'm interested to see how he does with... Uh, Raul uh, Jimenez, not there. All right, let's get into final thoughts. Angel, hit me. All right, so I just wanted to... I looked up the facts of who was playing for Mexico in the World Cup in 2010, and it was uh, Conejo Perez, so I just wanted to bring that up real quick. And me and Rico were actually both interested in bringing up how the Portland Thorns finally got to show off their young 15-year-old phenom in Olivia Moultrie who has been denied playing time because of her age and now she is able to play even though she is under 18 so congratulations to her yeah that was one of my final thoughts uh also like how how, because we were talking about it right uh, shortly before the podcast uh before we started this podcast Olivia Moultrie uh dope um, I got. I didn't know who she was obviously because I'm. I'm not. I'm not really that embedded into the. Uh, what is it? The NWSL, right? Is that their league? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, obviously, you know, we know, we know, we know the Portland Thorns. We know Orlando City. Uh, we know, we know a lot of these, a lot of these teams. Um, but we we don't we don't watch it ever so closely because. I feel like uh, collectively everyone likes to watch the U.S. women's national team, right? Because none of us are actually tuning in, us per se. Or I know I'm not as much uh, into lifetimes to watch the NWSL. Not that it's a bad league or anything. It's just that, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, religiously watching it. But a story like this uh, caught my eye, not so much because she's – well, obviously because she's young, but more so because of the battle that she had to fight just to play. Olivia Moultrie, 15, she's got the skills. 
without question because I, I checked out some of her videos. If you guys uh, actually want to go check out some of her videos, you can um, check her Instagram and all that stuff. You can just look her up, right? Uh, I think her, her Instagram handle is Olivia underscore Moultrie. She's got the little blue check mark. Anyway, very quick, very quick, very talented player to say. Obviously, since she's getting signed, but she had to go through a battle with her with her with her lawyers in order. Like it was a show, it was a production that she just just to play, and I think that was kind of fucked up. If anything, this sort of kind of only furthers only furthers uh, and strengthens the argument from the women's side, where uh, there's there's a lot of inequality in in professional sports. This chick, this chick clearly has the skills to play in, in the women's professionally, but it had to, she had to actually go through some red tape, unnecessary red tape. Angel City FC just came out with their new logo. That is fucking dope. I like it. And I saw that they came out with a jacket, and I, I may be getting that jacket because it looks dope as hell. And what is LAFC doing with Carlos Vela? His contract is up in six months, and they still have not re-signed him. So if I am a Mexican squad or I am another MLS squad, I am licking my chops right now, and I am going to be throwing everything at Carlos Vela to get him on my squad. So LAFC, stop lagging, get your shit done, get it going. Actually, if anybody from DC United's offices are tuning in, please, <laughs> with this news to me, go ahead and, uh, you know, report this to your higher ups in order for us to go ahead and take Carl. I'll take Vela over there at DC United, just so that we get up further on the freaking table. <laughs> um, okay. Because honestly, we're yeah, we're, we're we're hurting over there. All right, guys. So make sure you guys tell your friends and tell your family. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday. Uh, we did not, we did not have a show for you on Tuesday this week because we wanted to wait till after the England match. So we will be bringing the, we'll be talking a lot about the Copa America and we will be talking about the Euro and then we will start getting into more transfers and then Jordan wants to talk more MLS. We will be getting into that. So. Soccer. Thank you guys, and have a great day, night, wherever you are. See ya. Peace. See ya.